no more pray for us.
Thank you, Father, that we no longer have to be slaves to sin. You've called us to be slaves to righteousness. So I pray, Father, as we open your word today, God, that we would be attentive to your leading, Lord. God, that we would respond to conviction that you would bring to lead us to repentance to give us more of a hunger and a thirst for you thank you father that we can set our gaze upon you father that Lord, we don't have to look to the right, to the left, or even behind. But God, that we can focus and fix our eyes upon you. We seek you above all. We thank you, Father, for your truth of your word that says, if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. So this morning, Father, we come drawing close to you. Bless our time, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 3, picking up from where we left off last Sunday, a call of encouragement to remain faithful, and as you turn to Romans 3, we're going to look at verses 9 through 31. Last week we opened up with 2 Timothy, Paul encouraging Timothy to remain faithful, reminding Timothy that yet though Paul is in prison and chained, uh, the word of God is not chained, it is to go forth. He was encouraging Timothy to share the gospel with others, that which has been entrusted to him, that he would entrust it to others, that they would carry the truth on and that others would 
carrying it and so forth. It's spreading. He reminded Timothy too to remember those who lived the example before him. Who held, held truth to the word of God. Who lived a godly life. Who he saw the power of God work in and through. And then we picked up in Romans where we talked about how God turns man over to the desires of their heart. We looked at Trey, the video last week of a young man who was a worship leader, who was a Christian singer, who has chosen to turn from God and to go towards his desires and to live a life in a homosexual lifestyle, and how he was applauded for this, and how he himself, even out of his mouth, said he hopes to be able to change the message of Christ. And then we read how God turns man over. We also left off on God's judgment of sin. Today we're picking up and we're looking at chapter 3 verse 9 and we're starting with a reminder that all of us are sinners. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin, as scriptures say. No one is righteous, no, not even one. No one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. All have turned away, all have became useless. No one does good, not a single one. <clears throat> Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The condition of mankind. Complete rebellion towards God. All have sinned. All are rebellious towards God. All seek to live their lives, their ways, seeking their desires, their wants. And we've talked about it before. We do not get up in and of ourselves one day and says, oh, we'll seek God. No, God draws us to himself. The, the human nature will not seek after God. The human nature would not seek to know the things of God. It is God who, who first loved us, who draws us to himself, who begins to open our eyes, to, who begins to open our ears to be able to see and to hear and calling. We respond or we don't. It's our choice. But I love this understanding 
that we have first see the weight of sin. We, we see this condition that we all were born into. We, we understand that all of us were there. And those who are in Christ now, that is no longer our first nature. And this is what I am hope to encourage us today through the scriptures that we're going to read through, is that sin nature should not be our first nature. That we recognize it dead, as the Word of God calls us to. We don't have to continue to make excuses. I know it's quick for us to say, well, we're only human. But that's how we once were. We are now children of God. We have been reborn. And so to encourage us to remain faithful in a generation that is so wicked and so depraved that handing us over and, and giving us everything that we desire is so easily obtainable in this generation. But we as Christians must realize, wait a minute, no, that is not what we long for. That is not what we're searching for. That is not what we're giving ourselves to. That we're not considering our human nature First, no, we're considering that nature dead. Dead. The Bible is very clear, though, that the flesh and the spirit at war, they war against each other within us. Oh, but we must, as Christians, remember that sin is not greater than the Spirit of God, the power of God within us. Amen. The power of sin is not greater than the resurrecting power that is within us. It is only greater when we choose to allow it to be. It does not, it is not to rule us. It is not to reign in us any longer. No, it is dead. It is dead. The hope that we have as believers is the new life. There is a new way in which we're living. There is a new master in whom we are serving. We recognize our need for a Savior, so we've submitted our lives to Him. We no longer are people who, look at this, no one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. That shouldn't be a mark of a believer. No, we are wise now, we are seeking God. No one does good, not a single one. Look how their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. That shouldn't define a believer. Because our talk should be encouraging. Our talk is to be uplifting. Their tongues are filled with lies. We shouldn't be liars. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. That is not what should be defining us any longer. They, they are rushed to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. And this last one gets me. They don't know where to find peace. That should not be a mark of a believer. No, we're to be living opposite now of how we used to live. We have the good news. Our lives have been impacted with the gospel, with Christ himself. And now we do have the fear of God. The fear of God. To remain humble. I love it in the Word of God where it calls us to humble ourselves before God. Then resist the enemy. And then he has to flee. Like, humble ourselves before God. Then resist. But a lot of us, were resisting the enemy and we're forgetting to humble ourselves before God. 
to humble ourselves, to remind ourselves daily and throughout the day, my life is not my own. And it's not because it's, I'm forced to surrender. No, I freely surrender because I love Him with my whole being. And so in loving Him, I surrender myself to Him. I give myself away. And in giving myself away, I'm not going to demand my rights. I'm not going to continue to live a life that marks me as, a, as one that is rebellious towards Him. No, I'm fanning the flame within, as, as Paul was calling to Timothy to do. Fan the flame, Timothy. Remember who Christ is. Remember what He has done. Remember how He has impacted the lives of those that are around you. Remember, Timothy, He is returning. The message has to go forth, Timothy. Don't get sidetracked. Don't be misled. No, keep your eyes on that which is before you. All have sinned. But even though all has sinned, God has made a way out. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. And isn't it funny about the law when you think of the Ten Commandments, the purpose behind them? They were never meant for men to keep because men could never keep the commandments. They were meant to point the mankind to a Savior, to the one who would come. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. So in Christ, the law is fulfilled. So we're not striving to, to keep the law. No. We're in Christ now. The law is fulfilled. And in doing so, as we're becoming more like Christ, it's not the laws that we're trying to keep. No, it's the understanding of the full submission to Christ in order to live a godly life. And, and the law was meant to point mankind to the Savior. The law was always meant to, to, to expose the rebellion and that sin nature. But the good news... God has made a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So yet though all mankind, born of this nature, this sinful nature, all can be made right with God, by placing their faith in Christ Jesus. Everyone who by faith believes can now be freed from this nature that is set for destruction. Amen. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Do you see yourself freed today from the penalty of sin? We should, you all. That's what the word declares. Like God has freed us. It's not something we're waiting for. No, it's already done through Christ. 
Freedom is obtained. To live a life filled with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with gentleness, with self-control. A life filled to be an expression of Christ to others. This is the life in which we're called to now. This is the life in which we've given ourselves freely to. It has been purchased for us. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God, again, that same theme over and over, being made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Wow. I want to challenge you all to go this week and just sit and meditate on these scriptures. To be made right with God. To be made right with God. We're no longer separated from God. That we have been made right with God. And we have this message to go out and share with others that they too can be made right with God through faith in Christ. Not by works, not by anything that man can boast, but only through Christ Jesus, Amen. whom God gave freely as a sacrifice to take away the sin. To be made right with God through Christ Jesus. Do you think about that? Do I think about that? Daily, we are made right with God. Could you imagine if we truly believe that? Could you imagine what our faith walk would look like if we truly believe instead of believing the lies that, that so easily entangle our thoughts, that brings us down? To remind us of the old way, of who we were, and what we did. We can get so caught up in making sin our God. And sin is not to be our God. That sinful nature, the past, the present, anything about us is not to be that which we are gazing upon. Remember how what the Word of God says, how does He transform us? He transforms us by renewing our mind. And I love the translation where it says, by changing the way we think. That's why you think the Bible is so adamant when it says, take every thought captive. 
and bring it into the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Those, those thoughts that are contrary to God's truth. Those thoughts that we give our mind to that come that are contrary to the truth of God's word that we start believing more than we believe God's truth. Those strongholds that are developed and yet the word of God says he gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish those strongholds. I mean, when you really think about it, the mess we find ourselves in is the mess we put ourselves in. It's not what others have done to us. It's what we've chosen to believe and what we're giving thought to. Remember in the book of Proverbs, it says, as you think, or as a man thinks, so he goes. As you think, so you will behave. But if we really gave thought that we have been made right with God, through Christ Jesus, through faith in Jesus, wow, we're now at peace with God. That's where we should be living out of. That's where we, that's what we're growing and we're maturing in. That's where we're holding truth. It's not by my will, but it's yours, God. It's that walk of depending upon the Holy Spirit when the Word of God says, if you walk habitually in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. To walk habitually in the Spirit It's when God says, be holy as I am holy. And God has made provision for us. That we can be His holy people. He's not coming back for a schizophrenic bride. Who's all over the map. Who's one day here, one day over there, one day with Him. It's all over, all over. No, He's coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. And for too long, I think, we as the church and as Christians, we've gotten so caught up in what the world says we ought to believe about the one who came to set us free. Our faith, and even sometimes the way we speak, does not testify of the power of Christ, of a resurrected Christ, who defeated sin and death, because we talk more about our sin nature, we talk more about our problems than we do about our risen Savior. And we make excuses and we allow sin to run rampant in our own lives and throughout the church. And that's not how it's to be. The power of God is to be displayed through our lives and through the lives of the church. Because we have been made right with God. And it's not of anything that we have done that we can boast of ourselves. No, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Go to chapter 5, verse 12 through 21. This comparison, if you would, between Adam and Christ. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not 
I'm sorry, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift, and that is something that we should underline and something that we should really draw to, to our memory in days when we feel like we're giving in and we've gone under and defeated by this sinful nature. Adam's sin, there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Oh, how we should remember this. God's grace is greater than our sinful nature. The grace of God. And we've talked about the grace of God. The grace, the power to transform our lives. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to many through this one man, Jesus Christ. The hope that we have as believers. The hope to extend to others. For all have sinned. To be able to present the gospel in a way that brings hope. That's why we have to be very careful in trying to dumb down the gospel and hope people will come. No, people need to sin. The people need to see that they're sinning. That they're under God's wrath. They need to see the condition in which they're in. We don't quarter down what Christ did in hopes that they would respond to Jesus. No, we need to show them their need for a Savior. When's the last time you had a conversation with someone, not excusing their sinful nature, but exposing it to them? Yes, it's a hard conversation to have, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. Because what other way are you going to share the gospel with them? You are in complete rebellion towards God. You have turned from God or you've never came to Christ. <laughs> but if you keep going the way you're going, do you realize you've chosen the path of destruction? You've chosen a way that's going to separate you from the one who gave himself for you, from the one who has made provision for you to be made right in his sight through Jesus. God's grace is greater. Verse 16 it says, And the result of God's grace, um, gracious gift, is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our beginning, I'm sorry, with our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. For all who have received this gracious 
gift from God will live a life in triumph over sin. Not still enslaved to it, not still being held down by it, but living in victory over it. This is the hope that we have each and every single day. This hope that we have that we can live a life free from sin, the enslavement of sin. Look at what it says there. Through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God, and look at this, a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And right standing with God. Made right with God. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Living a life that's expressing this, you all, this is what I'm hoping we're going to be encouraged to remain faithful. Living a life that is declaring this hope that Jesus is giving, that we are made right with God, and in being made right with God, we have been given this new life, this new way of living, no longer continuing to be bound, but recognizing whom we belong to now, and how we are to live now through obedience, depending upon Him, not of ourselves, We can't make it about religious works. Even this new life. There's not laws set before us weighing us down. Trying to achieve it or trying to maintain it. Hoping we don't lose it. No, it's in Christ. It's in Christ. That's why nothing can be added to what He has accomplished. It's in Christ. He did this for you. He did this for me when we were still in rebellion towards Him. He freely gives us the right to be made right. (coughs) To be free from the condition (coughs) that all mankind has been given because of Adam. (coughs) That's why they, they say that Jesus is the second Adam. It's through Christ now. We no longer have to be enslaved. And I love as we pick up here in Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Paul is also confronting this teaching that was in the Roman church. 
where it was basically giving you the right to continue to sin. Because the more you sin, the more God's grace was being displayed and shown. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. No. Shall you continue to sin? Shall you continue to make excuses for your sin? No. You are a new creation. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when he died with Christ, or when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and made alive to God through Christ Jesus. That's how you should be considering yourself. That is how you and I should be encouraging ourselves to remain faithful. By considering ourselves dead to the power of sin. And we're alive to God through Christ Jesus. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. So then how are we to live? Instead, give yourselves completely to God. You are dead, but now you have new life. New life. Stop giving yourself to that nature. Again, it is not about living a perfect life, you all, in perfection. But it's a life of maturing. It is a life that should not be marked by sin. It doesn't mean that you won't sin. But realize when you do, you chose to. You chose to. You chose to give in to the nature that's already been dead. It's been defeated. It has no rule or no reign any longer unless you choose to give it. Unless you choose to be like the dog that returns to his vomit, the pig that returns to the mud. You're not that old nature person, sin driven person any longer. You could choose, but why would you? Everything, everything has been made new. It's a new life. It's a new way of living. It's learning now of God. It's putting into practice what we're hearing, that we're not only hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word. That we are living this life now. We are transformed. And the power of sin is broken. 
But ask yourselves, honestly, do you believe that? What do you give yourself to daily? We give ourselves right for so many things. And we should be quick when we find ourselves giving ourselves to rights that we shouldn't be giving ourselves to. We should be quick to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place of repentance, to remind us, oh, it's not me any longer. It's not me any longer. It's not who I am. There's always going to be temptation set before us. We live in a fallen world. The world is still fallen. There are still fallen, sinful men and women in this world. But as believers, we're not to recognize that nature in within us any longer. But we do recognize and we see that it's out there. But the Bible says He makes a way out of every temptation. Every opportunity you that's presented before you to give yourself a right to sin or to choose to sin, He makes a way out. The Spirit of God is quick. Don't touch that. Don't go there. This is not honoring God. You should not be partaking of that. No, that's not how you speak any longer. No, forgive. No, don't let bitterness rule in your heart. Stop thinking so much of yourself and start thinking of others. Learn of Christ, your Lord. Learn to walk in the newness of this life. For what you keep going back to, it's defeated. And why would you yoke yourself with that? Because you, our eyes have already been opened that that only leads to destruction and death. So as soon as you remember, get up from it. Repent and turn. Stop giving in to it. Stop allowing it to take hold of you. Because listen to what the Word of God is saying. (laughs) So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. (laughs) Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness which led ever and deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The power of sin is broken. There is freedom from sin. There is freedom. You're no longer to be held captive by it. There is freedom through Christ. Romans 7 verse 14 So we have this freedom. We know the truth in which we have in Christ that we are made right with God. We know that we are no longer to be a slave of sin. But I love how Paul, as he's addressing this issue, he begins, as we pick up here in chapter 7, verse 14, to deal with this concept of struggling with sin. And this, to me, has been such a confusing part of Scripture, because I've heard many different people teach it all these different ways. But every time I open this portion of Scripture, I do not see it giving me the right to remain enslaved to sin. I don't see it giving me this understanding like, oh, well, see, I want to do the things I should do for God, but I can't because of this within me. And so, you know, it's just this constant, you know, I'm just defeated. God knows. God knows my, my heart. God knows I long to be, you know, obedient, but he knows this sinful nature in me. And we make excuses. But when you read, especially Romans, and, and, and I don't understand how we could take what we're about to read and give us the right to continue to be enslaved to sin when everywhere else through Romans, he declares the freedom from sin. There is a reason why he includes this. Listen to what he says here. So the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is... In my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. And a lot of times that's where we stop. A lot of times that's where we stop with that scripture. Paul struggled. 
Paul struggled, I'm going to struggle. He says in verse 18, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. And he begins to describe the struggle with sin. That nature that wants to keep reminding you of who you once were. The nature that wants to continue to give you the right to yourself. But let's pick up, because that's not where Paul stopped. He didn't just leave it, oh, what a miserable person I am. No, he continues, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who will free me? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So he goes in, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. If I'm only trying to fulfill the law, if I'm only trying to do what is right in my own eyes and by my own strength, I'm a still a slave to sin. I cannot get up from its oppressive power over me and in me. No, I'm a constant slave to it. But who can deliver me from this? Thank God. Jesus Christ. And so in this understanding, even in the moments of our times where we struggle with sin, where that nature is beating us down and we have chosen to give thought to it and give in to it, we can get up from it and we can declare with the understanding that we've been given here in Romans 8 that there is now therefore no more condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You belong to Christ Jesus. Jesus, if you by faith believe in what God has done through him, the power of sin is broken. Just as it was when you first accepted it, so it is today if you would accept it. No matter what is battling up against your mind or in your heart or what you've given yourself to, where you know you do not belong. The freedom from sin, you all. Freedom from struggling with sin. The hope that we have in Christ. This new life now that can be lived. Like we no longer have to remain in condemnation. Look what it says there. Verse 2 of 8. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in the body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice of our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We also have to understand in chapter 7, Paul was dealing to, to this church who was really influenced by the Jewish belief and the customs. The law, that they no longer were bound to the law, that God's law reveals the sinful nature, and it's the law that keeps us enslaved to the struggle of sin. It's the law. It's, it's this understanding that, you know, people will say, well, I, don't wanna, I, can't, I can't come to God until I clean myself up. What? You see that you're not right with God, and yet somehow you think in and of yourself, you can get yourself right with God or you'll be acceptable to God. But you can, that's why the law was given. The law keeps you enslaved to the struggle. And that's what Paul was revealing in verses 14 onward. If I'm looking at the law, I'm going to continue to allow myself to give in to what the law came to do. Point out this wretched man within me. If I'm just focusing on the law, if I'm just focusing on doing the good works, I'm always going to see my failure. I'm always going to see that I'm missing the mark. I'm always going to see this wretched man within me. I'm always going to see how I'm not measuring up. I'm always going to see my failures. I'm always going to see this condition that I was born with. But oh no. Oh wretched man that I am. Who? Who? I love that. Who will free me? From this life. What a horrible life to live under. There are any people sit in churches. Tormented. Because they're so enslaved to sin. They so want. Look what it says here. They so want to do what is right. I, they, I love God's law with all my heart. I'm just a slave. I'm just struggling with all of this. And they sit and they suffer and they struggle in silence. We're not called to suffer and to sit and struggle in silence. No. Who will save us from it? Only Christ. Only Jesus. Because we see that He has fulfilled the law. And in fulfilling the law and all that He has accomplished, we no longer stand condemned. 
No, you can look at that which is challenging you and you can say, no, I don't belong to you. I'm not a slave to you any longer. I'm a slave to God. To righteousness through Jesus. And God, you have given me freedom. Look what he says there. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us, giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. We're no longer following our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law. And it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Don't you see how important it is to read the whole scripture? Because if we just stopped in that part where Paul was just given an understanding of struggling, we're not to live in torment. What it says there. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature cannot please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal body by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature, look at this, urges you to do. For if you live by, by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory... We must also share his suffering. Yes, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. 
For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something we don't need to hope for, I'm sorry, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings. Prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? No one. For God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we face trouble or calamity, or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened by death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ's who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever separate, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The call to remain faithful, you all. The call to, to fan the flame within. To truly allow uh, your confession of faith in Christ to, to be lived in and through your life. 
you're no longer a slave to sin. I would challenge you, go through the scriptures in which we read today, how many times it declared you were made right with God. You were made right with God. You're in right standing with God. You're right with God. All because of Christ. All because of Jesus. All that he has accomplished. If you're struggling with sin today, if sin is mastering over you, it's a choice that you've allowed yourself to go back to. But why would you want to remain there? Stop looking on how, you know, bad you are. Stop looking at the law and stop looking how, you know, everything that keeps you enslaved. No, there is one the hope you have that can free you from this. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's a simple message. It's with childlike faith we receive. Jesus, you did this for me. I can't make myself right. I can't make myself good. I know, and you know what you would do if given the opportunity. But you are to reckon yourself dead. You are to consider yourself no longer in rebellion towards God. You see yourself made right with God. I mean, that's so freeing. Even in your moments of failure. Even in your moments of failure. That freedom is still available for you. You just got to get up. You gotta repent. You gotta turn from it. You gotta say, no, that's not who I am. I am made right with God. And let that sit in, let that get rooted in your heart. That you are made right with God, not by anything you have done, but because of Jesus. And in so doing so, you have believed, and by faith you believe, and by faith you have received freedom. You have received the power of the Holy Spirit. This power, this resurrecting power. That raised Christ from the dead is within you. And that power is not a weak-willed power. Sin does not have more power over what has been placed in you by receiving Christ. No, that sin nature is no longer now given any rights. That's why you say, no, it's dead. I freely... Lay it down. It's defeated. So fan the flame, you all, within. There's work to be done in each of our lives so that others can come to know this good news. That there's hope. That there's freedom. And you should be out there discipling others. You should be sharing this message with others. You should be lifting up the name of Jesus. People should see that there's something different about you. That you have something. And then ultimately you can share with them the someone who gave you the confidence to walk as if you were made right with God. Oh, it's beautiful to be made right with God. And that's why we've got to be very careful how we're how we're peddling the word out there to people and just watering it down and giving them hope when what we're giving them is really not hope 
No, they need to see the condition of their heart. They need to see the condition in which they are in. They need to understand the wrath of God. They need to understand that they are separated from God. And that's why we don't give them the law, because we keep giving them the law, or we keep demanding them to do, to do, to do, to do, to make themselves right. We're just keeping them in a vicious cycle of torment. No, we just give them Jesus. And in doing so, the Holy Spirit begins to work within us, to transform us, to mature us, to grow us. So I just want to encourage you today, remain faithful really see the freedom that's available yeah. to us. And stop dismissing Christ and stop dis dismissing the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we just keep entangled with uh, the, the sin nature. No, it's time to, to encourage, encourage each other to remain faithful, to uphold Christ. And so I'm going to close with this last song and then I'll close with some prayer. Oh,